somebody will have to tell Chandra, but I don't know if this was true for some of you, but I've had to pull my car over. So I'll just have to tell her that later. That was really touching. Um, sorry, just give me a second. Um, you guys awake today? I was very enthusiastic. It's been a very, very uh, sweet time this morning. Um, I want to give some opening thoughts. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. Probably about six months ago, like, I've, I've been, been preaching now for 12 years, and I would say most of those years I've preached 40 times, you know, 40 times a year, and so like you go through iterations, like both in, both in how you read the scripture and how you prepare. And probably about six months ago, the Lord like shifted the way that I was preaching sermons, and and so I've had that happen a series of times. And I just want to make note of this that I would say like early in early in my days, like I would preach primarily on sort of a topic or an idea. Um, I think as I develop as a preacher, like, I would try, um, for, a, for a season, I, many years, would preach primarily out of a specific text, and I would build from that text. And in the last six months, the way I would describe the way I've been preaching is, is more of a narrative. It's like, I'll see a scripture, or I'll see something, and it's sort of like, instead of just preaching on this, on an idea, it's just like I'm moving through a series of things that God is saying, either in scripture and prayer. Um, but I want to make this point, uh, I don't know why, I just feel important to make this point, is that any time that, that I, this morning I'm going to preach a text and I'm only going to come back to it once, but anytime that I'm preaching in that way, like I'm always trying to, um, I've seen a lot of people preach things that are, that are disingenuine to what the scripture says. And so anytime preach something, um, anytime we read something in the Bible, a lot of times people, we read to reaffirm worldviews that we have, or we read to reaffirm biases that we have. And it's really important that we read scripture in a way that doesn't just affirm what we believe about God, but also helps break down misconceptions that we have about God in life. And so, like, every time I approach this text, I'm looking for it to, aff to affirm my faith and reform my faith. Does that make sense? So I, I have a baseline assumption that there's some things that, that there's this deep foundation of who God has, put, what God has put in me that's deeply true. And then I also have this base assumption when I come to the text that there's a whole lot of things in my worldview that are still that are still maturing, still reforming, still refining. And so when I approach a text, I just want to, I don't know why I'm saying this, maybe it's for you for Bible study, whatever it is, but when, but like try to allow life, like even just studying the scripture, try to allow it to, to not just affirm what you know, but to reform you as well. Amen? Um, so I think it's important to be genuine, especially with the Bible. Uh, I want to read to you 
and talk about a subject that we talked about for a number of years, haven't talked about in a while. I'm excited to talk about it. James 4, I'm going to read from James 4, 1 to 3. And we'll just go ahead, because somebody grabbed me a bottle of water. I'm kind of parched, but I'll read this and then get a drink. James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. Thank you, Bree. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay. I want to pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Help us to just to um, walk more deeply in you, to be able to know the desires that are that are harming us and know the desires that are your desires you put in us. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Before I go on, Zane, did you write that on the spot? You sing that? Man, do you remember it? Oh. Man, were we recording? Dang. Well, whatever. This was really beautiful. I really like. And um, I've, I've always been, it kind of fit for me, I've always been fascinated by how our desires, um, how our desires work and how God works with our desires. So, so I want to give you this context. Like we have two parts of the church, I would say, on this, on this subject. One, one part of the church has an in- incredible emphasis on the depravity of our desires. And very often, like you might hear, how many of you have heard messages about like our depravity, you know, whatever. Um, and you often hear a verse like Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? Um, another part of the church has emphasized God, how God wants to grant the desires of our heart. How many of you have heard messages like this? Psalm, 30, Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of the heart. Or John 15, 7, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, I do not really believe that either side of this discussion often admits, admits the real tension in Scripture over this issue. But rather they run for proof texts that sort of affirm the systematic that they subscribe to. I, I love this Scripture of James because it really like drills on this tension. Like you have these desires that are work within you, but then he's like, but ask God and he'll grant you, but you don't have, because you don't have, it's like, okay. There is a script, there is a tension in the scriptures and in life between that which we desire being good and being evil. And beyond the tension of just good and evil, there's a tension between desires that are more fruitful and desires that are less fruitful. Um, there's like there's good and evil, and then there's like God's way and our way. And that that second part, it might not be just in the conscience. I was I was reading 
this um, the story, really bizarre story this week of uh, Abraham with Abimelech, and Abraham hides that you know his wife. He's nervous about people trying to kill him because his wife is so beautiful, and he tells him he's his sister. And Abimelech takes him as his wife, and God is like, "You better stop. This is not you know." God comes to Abimelech and is like, "If you touch this woman, I'm going to kill you." He was like, "But don't have a clear conscience before you." He's like, "Yes, that's why I spared you," and ultimately. Um, what Abimelech was realizing was there was something that he had, in, he had interacted with that he hadn't violated his conscience, but it wasn't God's way. Does this make sense? And God gave him mercy, but he said, okay, this is, this is something you know, you're not supposed to enter into. And, and he was merciful. Um, I, I want to make a proposal to you today that, the, that, that James and the Scriptures express a serious tension between two desires that we have. Um, like the, some desires being good and some desires not being good. Um, I have had, times in my life, I've had broken, sinful desires that no matter how hard I tried to fight them away, they always fought back. Anybody else had that? Um, what do you do with that? Like, What do you do with desires... Good, bad, indifferent, you know, all, all the above. What do you do? I want to tell you a little secret. We bring all of our desires to God. Period. All of them. We bring all of our desires to God. Broken and beautiful. We bring all of our desires to God. The significant and meaningful ones or the trivial ones? I would, I would say we bring all the desires to God, even those that He would oppose and that we know it. Um, you know, uh, once there was this, this scripture, and I didn't even, I know it's, I've read it a hundred times, I didn't like figure out. Where, where it was in the Psalms. But there was this once this prayer where David prayed that God would bring hopelessness and suffering to one of his enemies. He then prays that God will bring hopelessness and suffering to his enemy and all his family. He then prays that God will bring hopelessness and suffering to not only all his family, but to every generation that comes after him. I mean, it is... It's... Yeah. I'm going to jump out on a limb and say it wasn't God's desire to bring hopelessness to a thousand generations of this man's family. Yes. But, but it's included, it's included in the Scriptures, guys. Like, I, I just want you to think about this. It's, it is included in the Scriptures. This Man, in the Psalms, you see his envy, his anger, his humanity, and he brings all of these things to God in prayer. And if you were a good Jewish boy or girl, you would have learned the Psalms because they express the gamut of the human emotions. God is the best place for your worst wish and your worst desire to go to. I challenge you to pray something to God 
that you desire that you know is wrong. (laughs) This is exactly what David does. I don't know if he knew it was wrong, actually. But I don't think God wanted to bring hopelessness for a thousand generations. I challenge you to do something else. I challenge you to pray desires to God that don't match up to your level of meaning quotient. It's like, well, that's just not relevant enough. That's a little too trivial. It's like, you know, my kids, they're like, I want the pink cup today, not the green one. And normally, I'm like, yeah, get the pink cup, that's fine. Like, they have, they have things that they prefer. They have little details they prefer. And I don't, like, sometimes we overemphasize our self-centeredness. But sometimes we underestimate how much God cares about details in our life. Um, so, you know, I hurt my knee a few months ago, and I had to get surgery. Now, actually, what happened was, when I was 18, I initially hurt my knee. I've told the story 800 times. I was trying to impress Andrea. We had just met like a month, and I was like, we were at youth group, and I was like getting some kids to throw me alley-oops so that I could dunk. That's right, I could dunk. Let's just say it. And, and um, But in my pride, um, I, I was, uh, there was this, this goal with square metal rods bolted onto each side of the goal and they to brace it. And I came down all kneecap on one of those square metal rods. It bent the metal in like a half pipe, you know, like it was, it was not good. And I rolled over on the ground. I was like, oh, like and I laid on the ground. And that night, I'll spare you the long part of the story. I was like, okay, like I wanted to hang out with her so bad. We're just going to go to Chili's anyways. And at the end of the night, I was like, Oh, so my leg is kind of hurting. I looked down, and my entire pant leg was covered blood red. My knee was just bleeding. It, I mean, it was so much blood. And, and then I just made this really great decision that I would go home and not get stitches. And then I made an additionally great decision in that I went to the doctor and they were like, okay, take off two weeks. I went back a week later because I wanted to come back for basketball. And I told him, he was like, I went to a different doctor actually. I told him, it's okay. In reality, it was still hurting. And I went and I caused more damage to my knee, got surgery, didn't fully recover my leg. And I think related to that event, ended up tearing my AC now at 35, still trying to work out my frustration. And... So here was, the, here was the thing, and not doing the proper rehab, is that as soon as I, I recognized, I got to get surgery. I was like trying to get surgery as fast as I can. And I told Andrew, I was like, I want to rehab like I'm a professional athlete. This is what I want to do. Because I didn't rehab it fully well, and it didn't, it didn't work out. Like, so I, want, I don't want to rehab like functional dad. I want to rehab like coming back to the NBA finals. <laughs> and, and so I told her, I was like, this is what I want. You know, in a, in a physical therapist, I didn't have this on my first go-around. I want somebody who works with professional athletes, who's close to my house, and that, you know, God will work out some of the finance stuff. I was like, this is what I want. And I didn't find that, really. Like, right, uh, um, So I was looking at this one 
guy who was out in Carrollton, and that in, was just too far. I was looking at this one in Forney, and that was too far. And so I ended up doing, uh, we, my family was in Utah, and we started, we had a really great rehab person who started me along the process and spent a few months working with, working with her. And I realized, like, in the last couple weeks, like, she was helping me virtually. I realized I really need in-person help and to kind of get this thing to the next level. And so, because uh, I don't want to have another injury and have to go through paying for another surgery, and that's just this is not good. Um, so, I, this is kind of like circuitous, you know, number of events. Benedict and I one day were drinking coffee in this and opening bell, and we hear this like loud music, and we figure out that there's this gym next to this coffee shop, and they were like, yeah, it's like a bunch of trainers and athletes in there. And I was like, okay, so like. Months later, I'd rethought about that. I decided to go to that gym. I walk in, and in the front, I meet this, the owner. I didn't know he was the owner of the gym. I meet the owner of the gym, and then um, he's like, hey, let me take you in. And so I end up meeting his physical therapist, and they decide, okay, we can, you know, I'm like, okay, let's, let's give a session to see how this goes. They're like, okay, we're going to work with you. I find out in this process that the physical therapist there is Dak Prescott's physical therapist, Ezekiel Elliott's th physical therapist. They're all there five days a week and like multiple NBA athletes. And I was just like, I just walked in here from coffee. It was like all that time figuring out stuff. And, and this is the crazy part is it's three minutes from my office. And so I was like, and God was like, hey, do you remember what you said? And I was like, I wanted somebody who trains professional athletes accessible to my location. And I was, he was like, just letting you know. <laughs> Guys, God cares about details. What do I do, though, with all the suffering and all the things that don't happen? What do I do with the people I've prayed for that had cancer and died? I don't know. It's not a good answer. But what I can tell you is that I've found that a remarkable number of prayers I have I've prayed have been either answered or God has revealed to me later how He's either removed, reformed, or refined those desires. What, what is the point what is the point in hiding anything that's in your heart from God? I don't care if it's trivial or if it's big or you think it's bad or it's not. Like, what is the point from hiding from God? If I have a desire with God, for God, this like James is talking about the conflict of the desires and how it creates, but he's asking them to ask basically with pure heart, come to me, you have not because you ask not, and then you don't, you know, even when you ask, you ask with the wrong motive. Who's the best person to sort out your motive? It's like we're like, okay, let me just set down all, the, all these things and I'm going to come to God with the desires I think He wants me to express in prayer. And you're lying in prayer. God, what I really want is to just read the Bible all day. It's not true. I actually want to do some other things. 
I have a proposal to you. My proposal is that we have desires within us that God wants to partner with and bless. We also have desires with us that God wants to remove or reform. And there's both of those things are answered by you bringing them to Him. And this is, if you find theology that says that God does not, they, they only emphasize man is deceitful, heart is deceitful, like don't listen to that. That's a part of the tension. If you find theology that's like, God just wants to bless everything that you want to do. Don't listen to that. That's a part of the tension. We have to live in the tension that we have godly desires, good desires, okay desires. You know, there is, there's, like both are true. And, and like in our, a lot of movements have arisen culturally over the last 10 to 100 years have been basically affirming every desire of the human heart is good. And we should follow it. And those desires are the best indicator for life's um, rudder that we should follow to guide us. I, I don't know if you realize this, but philosophically, this is like the underpinning of a significant number of movements that are in our culture. Is that basically what we say is every de- the, the desires of your heart are always good and should always be the rudder. It's not true. Whether it is sexuality or career or relationships, we cannot just validate. We seek to validate people's desires and think that it always comes from a good place, but sometimes it comes from a broken place. Like, we say things like, follow your heart. And the truth is, is that the heart is the place where God leads and works, and it's also the place where often our brokenness leads and works. Like, this is the story of the human heart. I do not believe the human heart is depraved. I believe the human heart is broken. You carry with you the image of your Creator, but you also carry with you the brokenness of sin. We, I, we, I love the stories that we see in the life of Jesus that emerge from the desires that are, that are embedded already in the lives of others. Like the woman who touched the hem of his garment. Or the mother who's like, no, turn that water into wine. Many of his miracles are him initiating the conversation, but these are like people who pursued. One of my favorites is... I'll, I'll not read the scripture because I just I want to be a little faster because I'm looking at the time. One of my favorites is that when Jesus' parents take him to Jerusalem for his purification rites, there is this man. There's this man who's been sitting there named Simeon, who the Bible says was righteous and devout, and he was waiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. I said I wasn't going to read it, but I'm reading it. And 
it says, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought him in, the child, child Jesus, to do the custom of the law required, Simeon looked at the arms, looked in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Like God allowed this man... This desire, to, he allowed this to emerge in him, to grow in him with waiting and longing and expecting and maybe even frustration up into his 70s, 80s, 90s. I don't know how old he was. He was an old man. He didn't just, his desire was not just that God's salvation would come. That would be like the ultimate pure desire. Let your salvation come whether I see it or not. His desire was that he would see the salvation of God. Extremely personal longing. That he would lay his eyes on it. And God has allowed his story to be told unto all eternity. Not because he did some miracle. Not because he was the one who made it happen. Just simply that his his longing was to see it. And he saw it. How awesome is that? I've heard people tell me they waited on God and it didn't work out. I don't know how old the man was. But he said, I can now die in peace. It's like the the longing was still there. You know, every time we uh, gather as a family, my papal, if, if papal's there, he always prays. There's like a, it's like an age thing. Like, I, like if, uh, you know, you know, my dad is there. If papal's there, dad's always like, no, he's, you're praying. Like, you're more holy than me. And every time papal prays, who's now 91, he weeps every single time. He weeps every single time at how good he God is. And he's always thanking God that his family loves God. Every single time. It's like without exception. It's like he's encountering staring into the salvation for the first time every time. It's like Simeon looking at Jesus as he reflects upon what God has done. And God, God loves to grant our desires. Sometimes. <laughs> the, human heart is, the human heart is the same place where Satan comes to exploit and God comes to, to explore. God is always looking for hearts that are His. He's always looking to partner with, remove, reform, and refine the desires of our heart. This is why John fifteen, John ten, sorry, John ten ten says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that may have life and have it to the full. Okay, so what do we do with our desires? If there are good ones and bad ones and unfruitful ones and fruitful ones, then what the heck we do? Um, Benedict pointed out this to me when I was sharing with him what I was thinking about talking about. He pointed out to me that even Jesus, when he was in in the garden 
prayed, God, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Even Jesus, in the garden, asked for, for God to do it in a different way. But then he's, what does he say? Not my will done, your will be done. Man, I mean, what else do you do with that? Like, even Jesus expresses the desire that's like, this is going to be painful. So I want to give you a few critical reasons, and I'm going to move quickly to closing here. A few critical reasons to express your desires to God in prayer and in life. I'm going to read James 4, 1 through 3 again. Just let James 1, 4, 1 through 3 wash over you because I'm not like exactly teaching the text. Just, I'm, I'm like this text is propelling us into thoughts. But just let it, I'm going to say it again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? There are desires that battle within us, right? You desire but do not have, so you kill. So when we, when we don't get what we want, we get angry and frustrated and envious how many of you have been angry, frustrated, and envious, disappointed? These are the desires that work within you. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have... But then he goes on this complete opposite side. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Like, what? I was like, I, just, I thought you were saying no to all the desires. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay, when we let our desires not go before God, we become envious, violent, covetous, spoiled brats. So, two, two points, and then I'm closing. Our desires expressed apart from God exploit our brokenness. If we don't, express our desires in prayer to God. They exploit our brokenness. You don't bring your desire to God. You don't bring your good desire to God. You know, sorry, hold on. Let me read this. Oh, yes. If you don't bring your desire to God, the worst parts of your desire will rule over you. Our, our desires expressed apart from God will exploit our brokenness. Does this make sense? I'm not even going to camp on this point. Elsewhere, they don't work out. Let's just say it that simply. The second point is, it is very, this is critical. This is, something, this is what the Lord was focusing on. It is very hard to see God at work in your life without expressing your desires to Him. What happened when I realized at the gym that God had answered my prayer? It's a silly, I, mean, I, don't, I won't even call it silly. It's, it's not maybe, it's not a prayer that I equated to having much significance. Say it like that. Who knows what, it, what happens from it. But what happened when I realized in the gym, like the, you know, I don't know, like the, the computer's like doing the digital thing. It's working. My computer was like, oh, I said this to you, God. You care for me. So, hear, hear me for one second. It is Western philosophy that affirms our all of our desires. It is Eastern philosophy 
that tells us to let go of all our desires. This is really, this is not, this is really generally true. It's not absolutely true, but this is generally true. Western thought will tell you post, like, like as we look into the existential thought, Western thought tells you all your desires are good. Eastern thought tells you desire itself is what is bad. Let go of all desire. But it is God's plan and desire to receive our desires, to work within them, to affirm, to remove, to reform, and to refine. We must bring our desires to God. Don't fall in either trap. Are you with me? Do not fall in either trap. God bringing about the details of taking care of my knee was one more reminder in an ocean of affirmations of God to me that He is at work. Unless you pray your desires to God, you have no way of seeing how He is caring for you. If you when you are, when they come, when they like even in conversation, it's not like you have to sit down on your knees, like, okay, God, here's it. But even as you just give these things to the Lord, you get to see how He cares for every detail. And if you hide from the desires that are in your life because you've been burnt or you've been disappointed or you think you're, they're too bad or too whatever or too trivial, if you, all of the above, if you hide from them, you will not get to see how He's at work in every detail. Don't worry about whether your desire is good. Bring it to God and be open. He may surprise you. The worst thing, the worst thing to do in prayer is to lie to yourself and God. Worst thing to do. Like, what does that help you? As you go forward, you will be able to look back and see all of the desires He removed the fulfillment, the reforming, and the refining. We need to be reminded that the, the God, the universe God created, started in a land of pleasure and delight. It is not the garden of seriousness. It is the garden of Eden. The, the most significant sermon impacted my life. I heard Bill Johnson preach a message that said, God has no needs, He only has desires. That like cracked me. Just that statement. Desire and delight is the garden of His creation. And we want to express our desires to God who is infinitely generous to guide us through our impurity and our delight. That's right. Okay. So point one, if we don't express our desires to God, they will get exploited. Point two, if we don't express our desires of God, we won't be able to see Him at work. And the last statement I'll make to you is that you can let Satan exploit your desires, or you can let God, with His help, explore your desires. I want us to pray. Lord, I pray for every person that we would not be afraid of our own hearts. We would not be afraid of our own desires. But that we would have the sense and the drawing of your Spirit to bring them to you. 
imperfect, good, bad, trivial, big. I pray that we would stop justifying or clarifying or qualifying and that we would come to you honestly so that you can be the one at work in our hearts. You just ask us to come to you. And so Lord, I pray you we would come. I pray there would be just a grace for us to come to you with our desires, all of them, and for you to come and work in them. And I pray that there would just be an impartation. I just really pray that this message would linger with us. That our desires are both often good and often broken. But you take them both and work with them. And we love you, Lord. We pray that you would help us to be honest with you in prayer. To be honest with you in life. And to not hide. To not project in our prayer who we want ourselves to be or who we think we might want to be or would we would be at our best, but that we would come to you exactly as we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may come and grab the elements. You know what this meal tells us? This meal tells us that you're his desire. And the good thing about God is there is no tension in his heart. His desire is always for you. Even when as a songwriter I, I like says that, the, that my fire is a memory, his fire is never a memory. It's always a reality. And we receive today, not the nourishment of our desires, but the nourishment of His salvation that comes from His deep desire for you. And so I just want to invite you just to close your eyes and to recognize God's great desire for your heart. That this story starts with two, two types of fruit. I pray that we would not be those who look to parse out the knowledge of good and evil, but that we would come to you, the tree of life. It's only in your mind are pure judgments. And help us to remember your great desire for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive. I just want to tag on to that just for a second. Share a thought that I was having this last week. The last couple of weeks, we got, we were a uh, lucky enough to be able to go spend a couple weeks in Florida at like Disney and Universal and stuff. And uh, I didn't know what to expect going into the trip because taking my, uh, if you know my boys, taking them to seven days of theme parks sounded potentially daunting because 
they have a lot of energy. And I'm like, this depends on, there are a lot of factors here. You know, if every, if it's super busy and every line's two hours long, this could be torture. We had an amazing trip. It was really, really fun. But of course there were, there were um, moments occasionally where, you know, they start to get on your nerves for some reason, or they just start losing patience or self-control or whatever, you know, gets, can you turn this mic down just a little bit? I'm just ringing a lot. Um, and I was just kind of, um, there were, there were a few moments when we were hanging out and I would just kind of like lean back in my chair. Maybe we'd be eating dinner or something, taking a break. And I would just watch my boys and I would just smile. And I was just like, I love them so much. It's ridiculous. Like just, just like if you just sit back and someone's just like, let your dad heart do its thing instead of trying to figure out how you're going to control them and make them be less annoying to the people around you and whatever. You know, but like if you just sit back sometimes and just be a dad and shut up and then just watch them, like you just look at their faces and their goofy smiles and you're just like, oh my God, like my heart is so full, you know. And like, I want to encourage you, number one, this is what Jordan was saying before we took communion, is that that's, that's God's heart for us. It doesn't waver back and forth. Like I've realized that I have this ability, not only with my kids, but with anyone to, to see them how I choose to see them in that moment, you know. Like when you're, when you're married to someone, you can choose to be annoyed by them at any point. Or you can choose to step back and like look at a big picture and usually it's like, oh, I, I'm actually really lucky. I'm like she's actually really amazing. I'm just being annoyed right here in this moment, you know? And I just like, I guess I've just, there are things like this that we know that just like somehow make their way from our brain to our heart in, the, in a moment. And like, Sitting back several times just looking at my kids, I just thought over and over, I need to choose to look at them like this, not the other way, you know? In the moments when, like, they just start getting a little agitating or a little out of control because they're six, you know? Like, what kind of, what kind of requirements do we place on people, <laughs> you know? You're, you're six years old and we're standing in an hour-long line, but please stop shaking that chain that d- divides the aisles, please, you know? As if it was like torturing our neighbors in line. I don't know. Like, what's the problem? Maybe just let him shake the chain for a minute, you know? But like, we just let our view of people get altered so easily based on what is preferable or comfortable to us in any moment. And like, I just think, I just want to encourage you that when you just, maybe God will bring someone in particular into your mind. But I want you to intentionally intentionally view people. Like, view them how you want to view them, not how life tries to to get you to view them, you know? Not how some bad attitude tries to get you to view someone. Because almost everyone on the planet, you can look at them and be really frustrated at them about something, especially if you get to know them. And almost everyone on the planet, if you lived their life, then you you would have a lot more compassion and understanding and love you know? And so that's my encouragement to you is that God never wavers. He, he never changes his love for you. He never looks at you and thinks, oh, what an idiot. Or he never looks at you and thinks, I wish that he would just shut up. You know, like, but I think that about people sometimes. <laughs> and you do too. But I don't really want to, you know? I want to like push my emotions out of my way for a second and step back and say, what, who is this person? 
And then like everything inside you changes. And even if they're not your kid, like something happens in you and the, the good part of you takes over and you're like, man, that's my friend Jason. He's awesome. I love, I love that guy, you know? Like, anyway, that's, that's my thought for you. Maybe some of you who are parents, you really get what I'm talking about. And maybe you need a reminder to take a step back, look at your kids just, just as your kids. So that's it. Oh, what a good day. Felt so refreshed today in the presence of the Lord and with my family. All right, well, I have announcements for us today. Um, I'll go over some fun dates that we've got going, things going on over the next few weeks, um, and then just one small order of business. But as everybody knows, we've kind of launched into all of the things that we're doing um, for the fall. Um, those would include yoga on Saturday mornings with Chandra. We're two weeks into those. And um, so just a reminder, mark your calendar for all these fun events and things that we would love for everybody to be a part of. But that is a Zane and Tiffany Sipes home in the backyard. Um, so it's a COVID-friendly event. We hope that um, everybody will come out and enjoy that. It's awesome. Saturday mornings at 930 um, in addition to that, we've also got Business Incubator going on Tuesday nights. We're um, one week into that. This will be our second week up uh, on this Tuesday, 7 p.m. here at the church. If you have started a business or you own a business, um, we would love for you to come out and uh, be a part of that. If you have people that you want to invite, please invite them. We, we have more space at tables for that, um, but we definitely had an awesome week this past week for week one so we're pumped to see where that goes um and what else is going on tables with strangers benedict tables with strangers is um kind of going to be going on throughout the fall it's a one night um deal where you host a table with another partner family at clear path and you invite a stranger whether that is somebody that neither you know but maybe your partner family doesn't know or you're bringing a homeless person in from the streets and having dinner with them can be kind of very you know flexible as far as who you're having with you at your table um but we're providing activities for kids it's just an opportunity opportunity to show the love of christ um and bring people invite people to your table so that's going on if you're interested in that we would love to have more people involved like we've got a really we've got a great showing but if you have a desire to do this it's a one-time commitment if you love it then you can keep doing it totally cool we would love to have that also but if you want if you want to be involved in any of these things just let me know so i can make sure you have proper communication over the next weeks um, two more dates, um, Friday, October 22nd, we're doing a night of prayer and social in our backyard. So this is um, going to be super fun. We're going to have prayer walk kind of set up in our backyard. We'll have uh, street tacos. And so we'll j we just want to have everybody over to hang out, um, center our night around prayer, but also hang out and get to know each other even more. So just uh, mark your calendar for that. That is October 22nd. Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then, last but not least, Church on the Lawn. We're not going back to Church on the Lawn, but we are going to have a Church on the Lawn on Sunday, October 31st. 
which also happens to be Halloween. So we're going to have more tacos there. Um, we really like tacos here at Clear Path, <laughs> and Church on the Lawn will be at our house that Sunday morning, 1030. So mark your calendars for that. Obviously, we'll be like sending all this information out to you in newsletter and text and all that, but um, help me out by not forgetting and put it in your calendar. Um, in addition, Alana wanted me to mention who all um, has downloaded the Echo Prayer app. Raise your hand. Okay, if you haven't, this is a really cool little resource that we have been using at ClearPath, um, and you can find it in your app store. It's just called Echo Prayer, and um, we have several different news feeds kind of within it. You can search ClearPath Church and find everything that we have. Um, we've got an area for all of our daily prayer needs that we've been praying for on Zoom. So any need that you have within the community and you want prayer for it, you can go in there and enter it yourself. You can let me know. You can let um, somebody in leadership know. We can add it for you. But we'll be lifting you up every single day on daily Zoom prayer. Um, we've got an area for generosity opportunities. If there's something that you need or something that you can give and meet a need, then you can stick it in there and we'll have eyes on it and can help match needs to generosity opportunities. Um, and in addition, Alana has put an Imagine Kids feed within there too. And so she's kind of keeping all of the dates like throughout the Christmas program practices and all the stuff that's coming up. So she's just got a little spot there that is keeping log of all those things. So instead of, you know, she'll obviously be sending you guys texts and stuff out, but if you need to find something, you can go in there and find it. So we would love for you guys to download that app. Follow us on all of our ClearPath feeds, and um, we'll be good. Well, we love you guys. I think somebody is praying us out. You are. All right. All right. You guys want to stand and pray this with me? We'll pray it nice and slow, because we have several people that haven't been here with us for a long time, so they can't spit it at M&M speed like many of us can. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great Sunday.